0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live with Lon today. Uh, I'm in Israel as you're listening to this today. So please pray for us. Pray for the God to anoint our tour and to anoint me as I lead it and and preach. Uh, Pray for God to bring people to Christ because later today, Sunday, I'm going to give a salvation message and a, um, a sinner's prayer so pray that people will respond and uh, just pray for safety for us. I really appreciate that. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Use your word in our life today, Lord. And and bring hope and encouragement uh, as well as teaching to our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said what? Amen and amen. Now. We are still in John chapter 8 today. You go, oh no. <laughs> but we're going to finish John 8 today. Praise the Lord. Lord willing. And uh, what do we study here on Live with Lon? Tell me. The Bible. What? The whole Bible? What? And nothing but the Bible. You got it. And then we apply it to our life, and that's what we're going to do today. And we've got one of the great verses in the Bible. Remember here in John chapter 8, Jesus is arguing with the rabbis about who he really is, and he comes to the end of the chapter and he mentions Abraham. And he says, look at verse 56. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, meaning when he came to earth and lived a sinless life and died on the cross, was resurrected, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus is here in John chapter 8. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, that's terrible grammar, But that's wonderful theology. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why they throw stone? Why were they going to throw stones at him? For blasphemy, for claiming to be God. Uh, You say, well, where did he claim to be God? He said, before Abraham was, I am. You say that was claiming to be Jehovah God. It most certainly was, and they knew it. Twice before in this chapter he's done that. Look at verse 24. Therefore, I said to you, Jesus said, that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, the King James says, you will die in your sins. But the he is in italics. There is no he in the Greek text. If you do not believe it, that I am, is what Jesus said. And then in verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, Then you will know that I am he. But the he, again, is in italics, or it should be. It's not in the Greek text. Then you will know when I'm on the cross that I am. Three times in this chapter, Jesus claimed to be the great I am of the Old Testament. And you say, well, where where did God, where did Jehovah God claim that? Well, he claimed it in Exodus chapter three. Let's go back there. And this is the account of Moses meeting God at the burning bush. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is Mount Sinai. And the angel of the Lord. This is a theophany. This is an appearance uh, of Uh, the Lord himself uh, as an angel appeared to him in blazing fire from the midst of the bush and he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God, the angel of the Lord, Jehovah called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He said, do not come here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he also said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look At God. Remember last week we mentioned this verse. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was the God because they're not past tense. Why? Because they're still living 600 years after Abraham, 500 years after Isaac, 400 years after Jacob here at the burning bush. They're still living in heaven with God, which is why God uses the present tense. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now let's skip down. He tells Moses that he's going to send Moses back to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites at, out rather. And Moses said, "Well, if I go tell the Israelites that I'm on I'm come on your behalf, they're going to ask me what your name is." Verse 14, and God said to Moses, "I am who I am." And he said, thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, quote, I am has sent you. Look down at verse 15. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Now, I am has sent Moses. This is what Jesus is referring to before Abraham was. I am and the word Jehovah the word Yahweh the tetragrammaton in Hebrew the 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 personal name of God Yahweh Yahweh it is related to I am Yahweh is the third person of the verb to be meaning he is so when we talk about God we say he is Always has been, always will be. That's his personal name. But when God's talking about himself, he doesn't use the third person. He is. He uses the first person. I am. Do you understand? It's not Yahweh. It's Ehyeh. It's the first person of the verb to be. But it's the same verb. It's just the person changes. He is. When I talk about God, I am when God talks about himself. Are you with me? This is God claiming to be Jehovah, claiming to be Yahweh. This is Jesus in John 8, claiming to be Jehovah God, the God of the Old Testament. Yeah, that's this is why they got so upset and picked up rocks to throw at him because he was claiming to be God himself. Now, You might run into people who say to you, you know, Jesus himself never claimed to be God. This is something his followers made up years later. This is what Dan Brown said in the the book of the Da Vinci Code, that it wasn't until 324 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea that the Christian faith claimed Jesus was God. Baloney, hogwash, this is ridiculous, this is poppycock. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus claimed to be God all the time. Let me show you. Let's go to John chapter 5. After Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, verse 16, it was the Sabbath day he did that. and Therefore the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them and said, My father, works until now, and I work also. Hey, God doesn't take Sabbath off, fellas. Uranus doesn't uh, collide with Neptune because on the Sabbath. God works on the Sabbath, and so do I. It's just like that man I just healed. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, their silly rules for the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They knew what he was claiming. How about John chapter 10? The uh, the, uh, the story of the, the great shepherd here. Jesus says, verse 30 of John 10, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them and said, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of them do you stone me? What miracle are you stoning me for? And the Jews answered, said, For a good work we do not stone you but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Friends, Jesus claimed to be God all the time here in the Bible. And he proved he was God by rising from the dead. You know, Jesus said, I have the authority to put lay my life down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Well, everybody has the right to lay their life down. Everybody has the right... If they want to, to kill themselves, but who has the authority, the right, to take their life up from the grave again? Nobody, except God himself. And that's what Jesus did. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, look at this. It says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, how? By the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection had many purposes. But one of them was to certify, to authenticate Jesus' claim that he is God. He is the Son of God. He is Jehovah God in the flesh. He is deity. Now, that's what Jesus says here. That's the lesson for today. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is claiming and he proved that he is deity, God in the flesh. Now, that's as far as we're going to go in our chapter because we're going to ask our most important question. And you know what that is. Are you ready? Come on now. Ready? One, two, three. So what? That's right. And as my good friend Jackie Gleason says, say it with me and we have to hold the sweet out. Ready? So say it with me. How Sweet it is. Praise the Lord. Okay, so now what's the so what of all this? What difference does it make to me? What's the not a sermon, just a thought takeaway? It's just simply this. Jesus is Jehovah God. And as a result, we can trust him. Why? Because God cannot lie. Let me show you that. Titus chapter 1. Look at verse 2. Look what the Bible says. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Why can't God lie? Because he's holy. Why can't God lie? Because he's righteous. Why can't God lie? Because he's just. God cannot lie. Why is that important to us? Because it means everything Jesus says to us in the Bible. Everything God the Holy Spirit says to us in the Bible. That it is utterly trustworthy. Because if God lied once, ever, he would cease to be God. Because it would violate his holiness. It would destroy his righteousness. It would uh, it would t- contaminate his sinlessness. He can't lie. Therefore, everything in here, whoops, there was there was my friend Jackie. <laughs> everything in here is true. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, it is yes, the promises of God are yes and amen. They are not no and false. They are yes and amen. Why? Because God cannot lie. So, when Jesus says in John chapter 8, He who believes in me shall never taste of death. He means eternal death, of course, but will be alive forever with me in heaven. Is Jesus telling the truth? He has to be. He's God. He can't lie. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets into heaven except by way of me. Is he telling the truth that he's the only way to get to heaven? He has to be. Why? Because he's God. And he cannot lie. Uh, when uh, the Bible tells says to us, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Is God telling us the truth? He has to be. He cannot lie. No matter how, how much you feel he's not with you, your feelings are untrue. God says, I am with you. When the Bible says... All things work together for good to those who love God, Romans 8, 28. Even though you're in the most horrible situation you can imagine, is it going to turn out in some way or another for good? It has to. Why? Because God promised, and he cannot lie. In Isaiah 61, where God says that he will turn ashes into beauty for us, Will that happen? It has to. Why? Tell me. You say it this time. Because what? Say it. God cannot lie. Say it again. God cannot lie. If you're listening with somebody next to you, turn to them and say, God, come on, turn. God cannot lie. And that's our confidence in the promises of God. They were made to us by a being who is incapable of lying. Therefore, they're true, and we can depend on them. You know, years ago, I, I think many of you know that Brenda and I have a, a daughter with multiple disabilities named Jill, and she has Dravet syndrome, D-R-A-V-E-T. Google it, Dravet And she's probably had 10,000 grand mal seizures in her life. Every time she gets overheated, she has a seizure. In fact, even as I speak this to you today, Jill has a bad fever and she had four seizures day before yesterday, before we got on top of this fever with uh, Advil and Tylenol. Um, But she's probably had 10,000. And in the early years she was having six, eight grand mal seizures. Every day for years, we didn't sleep through the night for eight years. We didn't get any REM sleep. We forgot what it felt like. We were up with chills, having seizures. We spent weekends in the hospital. We uh, we slept in the chair. Uh, we didn't, or we didn't sleep in the chair. You know what I mean. We switched off so somebody could come home and get a shower, me or Brenda, and then come back. We farmed our boys out for the weekend because we were there in the ICU with Jill, it's bad. Felt like we were at the bottom of a big black hole and there was no getting out. In fact, Brenda one time said to me back then, you know, I don't think, she said, I don't think I'll ever laugh again. But even in the middle of that black hole, Had God forsaken us? We felt that way many times. Had He forsaken us? No. Why? Because He said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And He can't lie. He is God. And even though we felt we were abandoned, we kept reminding ourselves we were not abandoned because God promised. And was this ever going to turn out for any good of any kind whatsoever? Well, we certainly didn't feel like it and we certainly couldn't see it, but we knew and believed it would. Why? Because God said, all things will work together for good to those who love me. And he promised and he can't lie. And therefore we knew it was true. And How was God going to take these ashes and turn them into beauty? I didn't see a way in the world, and neither did Brenda. But we knew it would happen. Why? Because God promised it, and he can't lie. And Brenda and I had a little mantra that we would say to each other almost every day. And here's our mantra. Today, we only have two choices. We can trust God, or we can doubt God. That's it. And Brendan and I had both seen too much for us to doubt God. And so every day we had to make the choice, afresh, anew, we're going to trust God today. We're going to believe his promises today. Even though we don't see how they can work out, even though it doesn't feel like they're true, even though there is no way under God's green earth that looks like that God can keep those promises to us. We're going to believe them anyway. Why? Because God made them and God can't lie. His promises are yes and amen. Now, friends, I know many of you have tough things going on in your life. Financially, health-wise, at your jobs, with your children, with your grandchildren, with aging parents, all We have all kinds of problems. Some of them are terrible, deep, painful problems. Like Jill was for us in those early years. I want to say something to you and I want you to listen to me. Friends, I've been there. I've done that. I got the t-shirt. And I'm telling you, God is going to keep his promises to you. You say, well, did he keep his promises to you? Yes, he did. My daughter's 30 now. There are very few people with Dravet syndrome who ever lived to be 30. I had a doctor at UVA, when Jill was 26, tell me that she never knew, had known a Dravet patient live that long. Jill's 30 and Jill hardly has any seizures anymore. Praise the Lord, she can go two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks without a seizure. If we can manage, the only time she has seizures is when she gets a fever or when she overheats. And if we can manage that, she can go a long time between seizures. She still has them, but they're occasional. They're not six a day, eight a day. Did God turn it into good? There's Jill's house with all the, the wonderful children and parents being blessed and ministered to because of Jill being here on earth. And there's access ministry at McLean Bible Church and at many churches Across the nation, uh, because of what we did at McLean Bible Church, and and there's Jill houses across the nation caring for parents and children, all because Jill came into our lives. But did God turn ashes into beauty for Jill and us? I'll tell you, man. It, yes, he did. She's the sweet. I love. She and Brenda are the light of my life. And when I come in the house, Jill hugs me. She kisses me. She takes my hand and pulls me towards the door. She wants me to walk out and walk with her. She wants me to take her for a ride in the van. Um, uh, uh, She feeds herself. Uh, She's ambulatory. Uh, It's amazing uh, how God has turned her into a person who communicates, even though she's not verbal, uh, what she wants. I love that child so much and she's made me a better man, a better father, and she's a happy child. Did God turn beauty uh, ashes into beauty for us? He sure did. He's going to do it for you. I don't see how. You don't have to. I don't I don't get I get how it could ever happen. You don't have to. But I don't feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, but we don't walk by our feelings. We walk by faith and trust in the promises of God. That's how we walk as believers. Two choices today, my friend. Two choices every moment of every day. Trust God. Believe his promises. Know that he can't lie to you. Or doubt God. Believe God, my friend. He's trustworthy. He cannot lie. He will do what He said for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your wonderful promises. Thank you for your wonderful character. Thank you for the fact that since you cannot lie, your promises are yes and amen. They are faithful, they are trustworthy, they are dependable. And we can build not just our life, but our eternal destiny upon them. Thank you, Father, that he who believes in me shall never taste of death. We hold on to that for the afterlife, and we hold on to the rest of your promises for this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And what? Amen. Hey, God bless you. Trust God or doubt God, trust him. See ya.